Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. God made the Sabbath for you. He made it for you. It it wasn't for Him. He made it for you. And so as we started this series off, the first thing that we started with was something that seemed natural, it seemed normal, we all could understand this. And that is that we all do some sort of work. Whether you are in school or you are working in a job or you're retired, we're all doing some kind of work and we get tired. And so the first week what we said was, listen, what would it look like if you got a day off? What would it look like if you were able to take one day and just put it aside and not have to work? What would that day look like for you? And what would you do and and how would you spend it? And how would you be able to refresh your body and your mind if you had the opportunity to take one day off a week? But the second week, we, we kind of transitioned a little bit and we started talking about how this This commandment about the Sabbath, this thing that we have been talking about, goes beyond simple rest, that it's also about restoration. And so we looked at the two places in Scripture where it talks about the Sabbath. And what we saw was was that in the first telling of the story, made in God's image, you too need rest. But in the second telling... It says, made in God's image, you too are free. And that freedom, that restoration, extends beyond just taking a day of of rest, but that when everybody takes a day of rest, it's impossible for slavery to exist. It's impossible for child abuse to exist. It's impossible for animal abuse to exist when Sabbath is here. And then last week, what we talked about was simply that Sabbath breaks the hold that work has on your soul. That for many of us, who we are is defined by what we do. And when who we are is defined by what we do, we never get enough. There's never enough. We always strive to do more. We always want to do more because it is our identity. It is who you are. And yet when we take the Sabbath, when we rest on that day, what we allow God to do in our lives is to break that hold of work where work is not what defines us. Work is not what gives us value. But it's God that gives us value. And so today we're going to wrap all of that up by talking about what Sabbath is what it means. And then at the end, we're going to go through a quick rundown of four things that can help you figure out how you best do Sabbath. So we're going to start with a story, another story, because last week we looked at a story about Jesus and how he dealt with this Sabbath issue. We're looking at another story that was just right after that. And this is Jesus, and, and this is what It says, this is Luke's account of it, and he says this, he says, On another Sabbath day, 
And he's saying on another Sabbath day, because the story before it was about something that happened on the Sabbath day. He says, on another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. Now, this was an interesting thing because in the synagogue at that time, they usually didn't allow people who had a physical deformity. Because in that time, what they understood was, was that if there was any problem that you had, if you had a deformity, if you had, a, had anything physically wrong with you, that it meant that you were cursed by God. And if you were cursed, you weren't allowed in the holy places. And so it would be unusual for a man with a deformed right hand to be in the synagogue with Jesus while he was teaching. But this is what happened. And the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. Now, I want you to kind of picture this. Because they're in a room, and the room doesn't look like what this looks like. It's not like a church. There were seats, and and usually the seats were in a circle. There was no podium. There was no center of attention. Because people would just stand up, and they would talk about Scripture, and they would give their experience and their understanding of Scripture. So they were sitting in this room, and Jesus is teaching. And off to the side, there's a man with a deformed hand, and all of the religious people, all of the, all of the, the, the teachers of the law, so these are the, like the, the really conservative, follow every letter of the law religious people, you know, the people that made you hate going to church when you were growing up. That's these guys. They're watching Jesus really carefully. And this is what they were thinking. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. So they were watching him because what they knew was this guy, Jesus, was healing people. And here's a guy in the same room that needs healing. So they're sitting in the back, right? And they're talking to each other and they're saying, okay, he's going to do it right here. Right? Watch. He's going to do it. And then it says this, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Now, We look at this, and it's Jesus, and so we're thinking that he had some mystical, magical thing where he was reading their minds. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is he knew what they were thinking, right? We've been in those situations where you see somebody, and you look at them, and you know right away, I know what he's thinking, right? Wives, you do this all the time. See, she's smiling. You know what I'm talking about. See, Jesus was looking at them, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He's looking at them, and he's saying to himself, I know what you guys are thinking. I know what you're thinking. And so what did he do? In the middle of his teaching, he stops, right? And he says this, he said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Now, So Jesus isn't going to do this subtly, right? He's standing up. Everybody is listening to him teach. He sees what the guys in the back are trying to do. And so he says, hey, you, come on up here. Up here where I am. Well, it wouldn't be up here because it was level. So it was over here. Come over here to where I am and stand in front of everyone. So here's this guy, and he's there, and he's standing in front of everyone. Then the man came forward, right? what he does. Jesus, dude with the deformed hand, everybody watching. And this is what happens. 
Then Jesus said to his critics, so now he's talking to the guys in the back, right? The guys who've been whispering as he sees them. And he says, hey, you, you, you guys back there, I have a question for you. So he's singling them out, right? And everybody in the room turns, right? Because he knows who he's talking about, so they're all looking at them. And Jesus says this. He says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Right? Because they're worried about the law. So he says, does it permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? This is the question he's asking them. And this is a good question because it's never been addressed before. That we can see in Scripture, it's never been addressed. There were laws that this is what you're supposed to do to keep the Sabbath. And these are what your things you do. And if you do them, you're not keeping the Sabbath. And so he says, listen, let's look at this. Let's take a step back and let's look at this big picture for a moment. What does it really mean? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? He's looking back there at them, right? He looked around at them one by one. So he's not just saying it and throwing it out there. He's standing there, and he's taking a minute, and he's looking at each one of these guys to see if any one of them had a response. He looked around at them one by one, and no one said anything. I mean, what were they going to say? No, Sabbath is the day to do evil. They weren't going to say that. So they just, they didn't have anything to answer. So Jesus says, he says to, then he said to the man, hold out your hand. And the man held out his hand and it was restored. It was restored. When I first entered into ministry, the, I, when I was a, a pastor of one of the campuses, our main pastor, our, the lead pastor of our church, he told me about this trip there where he went to um, Africa. And there was a lady that he met there whose hand was curled up in a, in a ball like this. And her hand was like smaller because it had never been used. It was just, she had to hold it here like this. And this lady walked four miles to go to the place where he was. So she, she did not live in the city. It wasn't like she didn't have money for the bus, so she walked four miles. She walked like four miles through woods and stuff to get to where they were. And he told me about how they prayed over it and prayed and held her hand and moved her hand. And by the time that they were done, her hand could move again. Isn't that an amazing thing? I, I've personally never seen anything like that. I mean, I've heard stories. This was the first first-hand story that I've seen, I've, uh, that I heard. But what an amazing thing it is to be able to, to heal somebody's hand miraculously like what Jesus is doing here, right? The man held out his hand and it was restored. Now, if you were in the crowd and you're looking at what's going on, Aren't you thinking to yourself, wow, that is amazing. But for the people in the back, for the religious people, that wasn't the part that they were taking notice of. It says, at this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Now think about how twisted your mind has to be. 
that when somebody whose hand, and this is a man now, so we know that he's a grown person, and the, that deformity was probably something that he was born with. So here's this guy who his entire life, he's lived with a deformed hand, and Jesus comes and heals it, and the only thing that they can think of is, I can't believe he did that on the Sabbath. See, what Jesus is trying to do here, what Jesus is trying to do here is he's trying to separate keeping the Sabbath from keeping the man-made rules about the Sabbath. You hear what I'm saying? He's trying to separate keeping the Sabbath. Because if you listen to the way Jesus talks, when you listen to the way he was talking there where he said, is it... Is it good to do good? Are you supposed to do good on the Sabbath or are you supposed to do evil on the Sabbath? The way that he was talking was not, he was not saying, listen, you don't have to observe Sabbath anymore. There's no, the Sabbath is gone, right? That's not what he said. When you hear him talking, he doesn't say, we're going to change what it means to keep the Sabbath. He doesn't say that either. He doesn't say we're going to abolish the Sabbath. In fact, if you listen to the way Jesus talks, if you read that part again, what you recognize is, is that Jesus is talking as if the Sabbath is supposed to be there, but you guys have been doing it wrong. And so he's, he's, we're, we're seeing in this story that Jesus is trying to separate what it means to keep the Sabbath and all of these rules that people have made up to tell us what we're supposed to do to keep the Sabbath. He's separating the two of them. And Jesus said to them, and this is, this is um, farther on in, in Mark. This is uh, the apostle Mark is telling a similar account of what happens. He's telling a similar account here. And he says this. He said, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Some of you, if you've grown up in church, you may have heard this said as the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made to meet my needs. It was, I was not made to meet the requirements. Let me put it like this. My, my mother left for the Philippines a couple of days ago. And one of the things that my brother, who lives there with him, wanted for her to bring was a sandwich from Little Luca's. Now, if you've ever had a sandwich from Little Luca's, you know why he wanted her to bring one, right? Now, I don't know if, if you've ever been there, but Little Luca's is this great little sandwich place here in South San Francisco. And it's interesting because it's inside a trailer. So it's not very wide. And, and the line to go in and out is probably about three feet wide. And so when you go in, you have to kind of shuffle your way down all the way to the end. And when I was first went there, there was like two counter stations, and there was two people making sandwiches. Now they have like five counter stations where people make sandwiches, right? And so you wait until someone says next, and then you find that little spot, and you wedge yourself in there, and then you order your sandwich, right? Little Luca's was made to make me a sandwich, right? I was not made to go there 
and order the way that they want and, tell, and, you know, and, and for them to make this sandwich and I have to take it. You see what I'm saying? The reason that they exist is to benefit me, not the other way around. And for too long, people have thought that the way to do it is to do it so that we can follow the rules instead of understanding that this thing, this Sabbath thing, was created for me. It was created for me. There was a purpose in it, and that purpose was to do something good for me. Not for me to spend my life trying to figure out every do and don't that you're supposed to do or not do in order to keep it holy. Because at the end of the day, what Sabbath is, is about a relationship. If you hang around me enough, then what you're going to hear me eventually say, because I say it all the time, is that Sabbath is like date night with Jesus. That's what I think of it as. It's a time that at the very beginning, Jesus said, I'm going to set aside one day a week that you and I can spend together. At the very beginning, you get one day, we get to spend it together. Now, imagine for a moment, Terry and I, we try to do date night every Thursday, but kids get in the way, mothers get into the way, um, stuff gets in the way, right? But for the most part, we try to keep it pretty consistent, and on Thursday nights, it's date night. And she gets home, we go, and we, and, and we spend some time together, usually it involves food, now imagine for a moment what that would look like if when we got married, she handed me a book that said, Rules for Date Night. And you open the book, chapter 1. Date night shall commence every Thursday starting at 6 p.m. until 11.30 p.m. You go to the next one. Flowers are not required, however... Yes, but appreciated, right? right. Um, no fewer than five per bunch. The stem must extend past 17 inches. Right? And then you go to the next, chapter four. Restaurant requirements. Right? So, if the restaurant has less than two stars on Yelp, it is not allowed. However, if the average of the Yelp score and the Google score is higher than three stars then it will be allowed on a trial basis. Now, imagine what this would be like, right? Kissing. All of the things that you do on date night, imagine for a moment if she said, this is what you need to do, and if you don't do it, then this whole relationship is just gone. Everything is dependent on you following those rules. We wouldn't still be married after this long. <laughs> right? See, sometimes I think what we forget is, is that the intent of Sabbath was to strengthen a relationship. It was to strengthen a relationship. It was to give us time together. But if you put the rules on it and it becomes about the rules and not the relationship, are you going to be in love with the person who gives you rules? Or wouldn't it be better if your love for the person made you go beyond the rules? So I didn't have to know that there's a minimum of five flowers per bunch because I'm going to go for the dozen 
every single time. See, that's the problem. He says, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. See, what Jesus is saying is, I am all about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a good thing. Notice he doesn't say the Sabbath is done. He doesn't say that I am here so that you don't have to have Sabbath anymore. See, here's the one thing that, that, that people forget, and it's the one thing that has caused this big separation between people who observe the Sabbath and the people who don't. Because on the one side, you have this group of Christians who say, you know, I'm free in Christ. Uh, the Sabbath was abolished. There's no need to observe it anymore. And then there's another group over here who say, no, the Sabbath was never abolished. I can tell you, here are the rules. These are the things that you have to do in order to keep the Sabbath. And so on the one hand, you say, I don't care about the relationship at all. And on the other hand, you say, I don't care about the relationship at all. See, they both end up in the same place because we forget this, that before there were Jews, before there were Christians, before there were Ten Commandments, before there were churches or church services, there was Sabbath. Think about that for a moment. People want to dismiss the Sabbath as a ceremonial Jewish law. And yet, when the Sabbath was given to us, there were no Jews. They want to say that this is something that's only benefiting Christians. But when the Sabbath was given to us, there were no Christians. In fact, this is going to be one that's going to be tough for some of you. There is nothing in Scripture that says that the Sabbath is the day you're supposed to go to church. In fact, the only requirement for the Sabbath is don't do any work. Now, if you've been here through our series, what you've recognized is, is that that word work has such a deep meaning that it goes beyond just not doing things. That work really goes into who our identity, what our identity is. But that's the only thing. And so you can observe the Sabbath and go to church any day. It's just that we're going to, as we're going to see as we go through that there is a benefit to it. But the Sabbath was made for us and it was given to us before any of these things that have tried to confuse and have been injected into what the Sabbath means. Think about this. When we read the creation story, for those of you who believe in the seven-day creation, when you read that story out of the book of Genesis, you know, God creates on the first day, the heavens and the earth, he goes to the second day. On the sixth day is when we show up, right? That's when he creates man, on the sixth day. Now think about this. God creates man. And then it says in Scripture that he takes him around and he shows him the trees and he shows him the animals and he says, listen, you are going to be in charge of all of this. This is what you are going to do. You get to be the one who gets to decide everything. You get to give names to stuff. You get to be in charge of it all. Right? Now, imagine what you were like if you were that first man. You're looking around going, wow, this is a lot of work. I mean, I thought my backyard was a lot of work. This is everything, and I'm in charge here. Now, Now, remember, for this guy, for Adam, it's his first day. Right? It's not his sixth day. It's his first day. And the first thing that happens after he is created, after God shows him around, he says, listen, before you get started on the work, before you get started on doing the stuff that needs to be done to keep this place up, 
we are going to take a day for just you and me. See, for God, it was day seven. But for Adam, it was only the second. It was the first full day that he had that God said, no, listen, you're not going to worry about the work stuff first. I want you to spend it with me. Before there were Jews. So everyone who wants to say, no, the Sabbath is just for the Jews. Hold on a second. Because the Sabbath was given way before the Jews. Oh, the, who say, well, the Sabbath is only about the Ten Commandments. Hold on a second. The Sabbath was given way before the Ten Commandments. Well, the Sabbath means that's the day I have to go to church. Well, hold on a second. The church as we know it today, this thing that we are doing today, didn't come for hundreds of years after Jesus was here. So even when this was written, when the scriptures that we looked at today were written, there was nothing like what we're doing here today. Before all of this, God said, I want to spend time with you. Not just because I want to do it, but because you need it. You need it to restore your body and you need it to refresh your soul. So, how do we do it? Here is what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you how you're supposed to keep the Sabbath. Because for everybody, it's different. For everybody, depending on where your walk with God is, how your personality is, it's different, going to be different for you for how you get the benefit of Sabbath than I do. So what I'm going to do is not give you a set of rules, but I want to go through four guidelines that you can look at to try to figure out for yourself how you best get the benefits of the Sabbath. The first one is this. Look for time of simple inactivity. Now, when I'm at home and I work, I usually work at the dining table. And I I sit there and I have my laptop open, and oftentimes I will have the iPad open next to it so that I can listen or watch something meaningless while I'm doing work. Usually it's the office. So obviously none of you watch The Office. But if you do, you know what I'm talking about. So I've got it there. And just because of the way that our house is, is set up, from the dining room, from where I'm sitting, I can see the TV. It's just right over there. So I have all of these screens and these distractions in front of me. But sometimes I go into the living room and I sit on the sofa with everything off and I just sit there and I don't do anything. And it's refreshing. There is something about sheer inactivity, just doing nothing, just sitting there, that gives you a breather, not just for your body, but also for your mind. And a lot of times, the things that God kind of puts into my head, you know, I I don't hear an audible voice, so I'm not telling you that God talks to me, but I do see things or get ideas, and those happen in those times of just simple inactivity. So as you as you look at how you spend your Sabbath, think about opportunities for simple inactivity. But also, look for places of avocational activity, which means that has nothing to do with your work. And I will give you an example. I do not like to fish. It just has no interest to me. Just throw it out there and wait 
and, you know, just do this. I mean, there's some people who love it. I get that. Uh, this morning, my family and I, we went down to Pacifica. We walked out to the pier, saw all these guys fishing. They were having a great time. I don't enjoy fishing, but I know that some people do. Some people find it very relaxing, peaceful. It's a time for them to think, to contemplate, to, to enjoy God's creation. But for the person whose job is to fish, like who's a commercial fisherman, that guy does not want to fish on his day off, right? So look for something that is, is avocational for you. The, the way that I heard it, and, and I, I love this saying, is um, if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your mind, then Sabbath with your hands. Does that make sense? In other words, if your vocation involves you, you know, if you're, if you're a plumber and you're, you're, you're pulling pipe all day, or if you're a gardener and you're out landscaping, if you're working with your hands all day, then where you're going to find your avocational rest is going to be doing something that stimulates your mind. And on the flip side, if all you're doing all day is looking at papers and, and, and checking off things and reading contracts or, or, or looking at shipping orders, or your, it's your mind that's doing the work, then your avocational activity is going to be something with your hands. So look for an avocational activity. All right? The third one is a recharging activity. Now, this is a tough one, but for this, you have to know what kind of person you are. If you're an introvert, if you tend to be that way, or if you're an extrovert. So if you're introverted, then you know, for those of you who are introverted, introverts are recharged when they're alone by themselves or, or when they're one-on-one -on -one with somebody that they, that they know deeply. Like introverts hate small talk, right? So when they are by themselves, that's when they recharge. Whereas extroverts hate being alone. Right? They're talking to everybody. They're making conversations with people. You're, you know, they're saying, they keep talking to you and you keep stepping back. They keep stepping forward. You keep stepping back. They just keep coming at you. Right? So for them, being alone is not going to recharge them. So if that's you, you need to be around other people. So as you think about how you are going to get this Sabbath restoration, the Sabbath rest, you need to think, how do you recharge? And the final thing is, Okay, so there's supposed to be one more. I, I, need to, I, I need to apologize because we had some technical difficulty, and I want to thank the guys in the back because our whole presentation today died like 30 minutes before we started, and so they recreated everything. But the fourth one, there's a fourth one, and that is worship. That is worship. And, and let me tell you why worship is important. Because worship tells the story of who you are. When we come together and we sing songs together, when we come together and, and we listen to God's word, it is telling us the story of who we are. That we are not a random group of molecules that somehow found their way together and slithered out of the ocean and became me. But that there was an intentional creation by a creator. And that that creator said, okay, you're free. And when we screwed up, he said, no, no, hold on. I know that you've got, someone's got to pay the price. I'm going to do it. Worship tells us the story of who we are. 
And that's why in our Sabbath rest, we need to find time to worship because it reminds us that our identity is not in our jobs, it's not in our careers, it's not in our titles, that our identity is in our Creator and our value is in the price that was paid for us. And that was the life of Jesus. Tim Keller, who is a, a pastor and one of the preeminent theologians of our time, he, he uh, was, is the senior pastor of the Redeemer Church in New York City, which is one of the largest churches in the city. And he wrote an article on Sabbath, and this is what he says. I just love this quote. He says, The purpose of Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production, nor is it the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy your God, life in general, what you have accomplished in the world through His help, and the freedom you have in the gospel. The freedom from slavery to any material object, object or human expectation. Freedom from slavery to material objects or human expectations. See, he's saying that when we keep Sabbath, when we practice this Sabbath rest, it frees us from being bound by money. It frees us from being bound by stuff. It frees us from being bound by human expectation. It, we're not bound by, by what our parents think of us or what our friends think of us. All that defines us is what God thinks of us. And as Christians, what we believe is that God thinks of us so much that when faced with the prospect of spending eternity without you, every single one of you, he said, I don't want to do that. And he thought, what is the price that has to be paid so that I don't have to live forever without you? And then he realized that the price was his son. And without hesitation, without condition, he said, I give it to you. Tim Keller closes out like this, and he says that Sabbath is a sign of the hope that we have in the world to come. That's what it is. And God made the Sabbath for you. So, as you, as you contemplate, and I hope that you do, as you pray, and I hope that you will, about what it means for you to take this time to spend with God, that you will recognize that it is not about following rules, that it is not about doing, but it is simply about not doing and enjoying the time that God created and set aside for us. God didn't make the Sabbath so that you could figure out how to make it right. God made you, and then he made the Sabbath for you. He made it for me. Because he knew we would need it. And he knew the benefit that it would have to us 
and the relationship that he was trying to not just create, but to strengthen and restore with him. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.